coming in as Bloom. Billetdyke centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour underway. It's Steinberg Vickers on a Thursday, October 12th. And welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Hello, Vix. Patrick, how are we today? Doing well. Uh, Flames Talk live on Sportsnet 960, the fan on a daily basis. And of course, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Would love to have you on the podcast feed as well. Flames have their first win of the season. It comes on opening night. 5-3 over the Winnipeg Jets. It is 1.2% of their season now complete. But it is the only meaningful action we have to go on. So we must overreact. And we sample size. This is the only sample size. We must make definitive judgments based on three of do the quick math. Uh, 82 times three, 164, 246. Boom. Really? You even beat Bull. me on the calculator. Bull. <laughs> is that yeah, right? 246. I don't know if there's well like a math done. trophy hanging around here, but I'm taking it home tonight. Woo! I wouldn't have done that. I would have come up with like 397,000. That's what my... Uh, well, I just added another 82 to uh, Mangiapane's 164-goal pace, so... That's a good point. I was already halfway there in the math, buddy. Um, I have burning questions. I don't even know if they're burning, but I have, I've got some questions to come out of, uh, to come out of the opening game. I have some, I have some things that we can discuss aloud. Chime in on the text line. If you're listening live, 960, 960, curious as to your answers to some of these questions. So I'll just throw them out and no, I wrote these down as I was getting ready for the show. So in no particular order, uh, how quickly will this team be able to clean up or work out some of the rather noticeable kinks that we saw on Wednesday night uh, because there were a number of them. Some of their puck management decisions, uh, some of their uh, some of their defensive reads, some of their neutral zone gaps. Like there were just a lot of things. You're like, eee, that's um, that's not the way they want to play. Uh, how how long until some of those things are ironed out? So how definitive do you want me to be? Do you want me to give an exact date? Do you want to no. give me a hypothetical? Just What's hypothetical. the situation? It's wow. very rhetorical. By the time they're back from their five-game road trip, they will have those kinks worked out. That's what I'm going to go with. We saw a lot of egregious turnovers, things that you want to minimize in the defensive zone, some of the defensive zone structure. They're still sorting out in the decision-making and who's going where in the switch that we've... Heard all through training camp from man to zone. I think by the time that they get back from their five-game trip through Pittsburgh, Washington, Buffalo, Columbus, and Detroit, those will be cured. You'll have not necessarily a whole bunch of practice time on the road, but you'll have some time for video, and you'll have some time to sit down and discuss as a team the structure, what it's supposed to look like, and you'll get the opportunity to implement that in a short span and playing five games in, what is it, 10 days, something along those lines. So I'm going to go, by the time they return back to Scotiabank Saddledome on October 24th against the New York Rangers. 
Um, that's that's not a bad. I mean, that's there's there's going to be a lot of hockey in those uh, in, on this upcoming road trip, but also there's a couple of opportunities for some practice time on the road. So that's kind of what I had pinpointed to in and around when they come back their first what their first games against the New York Rangers on that night where everybody's got all 32 teams are in action and a 745 puck drop which might be a first for my career and and it's because that's the day that they're staggering the starts okay. by what 15 minutes or half an hour or whatever it is they're so they're playing 16 games that night and they're staggering each start so there's not one game that starts at the same time as another so that they can jump around and ESPN's doing their uh NFL red zone style yeah, show. Yeah, what is that called? I don't remember. I can't what it's remember called. what it's called. Irrelevant. John Bucciagras is hosting it. That's all I know. And um, so it's that's why it's seven forty five start. But the um, yeah, I think right around there is a is a good benchmark. That'll be six games into the season. So if it's game seven, eight, nine, where you're starting to see them a little bit more comfortable, they'll get some practice time in. Being down at practice on Thursday. They, they did a lot of drills that you could tell were um, kind of based, at least by the design. way I saw it. They were definitely by design. Um, but a lot of them, you know, about releasing on zone coverage, on, on um, some of the some of the five-on-five five work. There was not a lot of, or any special teams work at practice on Thursday morning. It was all five-on-five five stuff. Um, and a lot of the, you know, things were designed for, okay, off of a face-off, when you lose the face-off, what do you do when you win? So it's just a lot of that, that stuff they were working on at practice, and they'll have at least a day or two on the road to practice plus five games. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair ballpark. Sometime late October, that seems... I'd, I'd start to become a little more worried about it if we're into the final two weeks, final week of October, and this stuff is still glaring. I thought you were going to say, you know, final two weeks of the season. That would be that definitely would be very, a little yep, too long. Very, very uh, worrying. I, uh, I do like my, uh, so I get a check mark for the math, and I don't think you gave me a wrong answer on when they return October 24th. There are I'm no stupid two. questions, and there are no wrong answers. Oh, wait, buddy. I've got a few that you're going to be like, <laughs> okay. these are completely off base. Stay tuned. It's fair. Um, with the way Jacob Markstrom played, here's question number two. With the way uh, Jacob Markstrom played against Winnipeg, when does Dan Vladar get his first start? Because... I remember Craig Conroy telling us in the press box in Penticton, he said, Jacob's going to play a lot this year. Uh, we know that he is good for 55 to 60 starts a year, and that's kind of what the ballpark I'm targeting in is, is as well. So how when, when do we see Dan Vladar for the first time in your eyes? Friday, October 20th against the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's the second of back-to-back games there in Buffalo the night before. And when you originally posed this question, I was going to go, maybe you give Dan Vladar the Buffalo game because it's Buffalo has significant aspirations for playoffs. We've seen them get a lot of contract work done in the past couple of days, but they are a team that's on the rise. And I think one of the questions, no disrespect to Devin Levi, but is the goaltending situation. So if you were the Calgary Flames and you were actively seeking a destination, a trade partner, an audition directly in front of the Buffalo Sabres in their barn, would be a curious thing to place Dan Vladar there. But to be perfectly honest, I think you 
give Jacob Markstrom a run of games. He played yesterday against the Winnipeg Jets, start him Saturday against the Penguins, Monday against the Capitals, and then Thursday the 19th against the Buffalo Sabres, and then wheel Dan Vladar in the Friday the 2nd of back-to-back. I I hate to just agree with you, but I think that is the perfect target uh, because when you take a look at the next game after the Columbus game, the fifth and final game of the road trip, it's a third game in four night situation and it's an early start. So they play two fives back to back, then a day off and a three mountain, which is a five Eastern. So they've got an either. So they've got a three and four with an early start on the third game. Like that is a big gauntlet. That's a tough, like that Detroit game, I think is going to be the toughest game of the trip. No question. And I just feel like, if you go Markstrom against Columbus on the Friday and then go back to him on the Sunday, you're not giving him as good of a chance to succeed potentially as if you go to him on against Buffalo on Thursday, roll Vladar on the Friday against Columbus, and then go back to Jacob Sunday afternoon against Detroit. You'll have a fresh Jacob with a couple of days off. So on a day slash night where the rest of the group might be having some heavy legs, third and four, just a... a, a, a that's that's a tough gauntlet early in the season. Well, you'll have a fresh number one goaltender and maybe a night where you need to rely on him to steal a period or steal a game. Well, he'll be fresh if he needs to do that. So I'm with you. I would go Vladar in game four of the five-game road trip, which would be game five of the season, and uh, and then go with him against Columbus. Yep. And for this premise, it's if Markstrom is continuing to roll the way that he did in yeah, game yeah, one again, sure, hashtag sample sure. size and all that, but you just look at the level of competition in that back-to-back. I think the Buffalo Sabres are much tougher out than the Columbus Blue Jackets. And again, we don't have much to work off of off that. I'm going historically slash what I think the current rosters play out. So you give Jacob Markstrom that Friday, Saturday off before that awkward 3 p.m. mountain time start in Detroit to end the road trip. I just see both Buffalo and Detroit being the tougher outs than Columbus. So, and no disrespect to just, okay, well, we'll just give the backup goalie the easier team to play against. No, it's just a matter of yeah. scheduling and the fact that if you need Markstrom to steal one of those games, he's got the adequate rest to do so. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. Okay, question number three that I have. Uh, is Andrew Majapani the right fit with Huberto and Lindholm? Like, do we, do we have any feel as to who the best fit with those two is right now? Short term, he's the right fit long term. I don't know if he necessarily is or not, but that is going to be something that plays itself out, to be perfectly honest. If they continue to show some chemistry, if they continue to have success, that doesn't necessarily mean a three-point night every night for Andrew Mangiapane to retain the spot on that line. But the early returns, what, the period together? Somewhere in the neighborhood of yeah, that. Like they've got juggled a bit heading into the final 20. The third, yep. So if that's what you're able to maximize, and of course, uh, Mangiapane scored his first goal. That was on the power play. Wasn't yeah. That was the power play unit yep. with Adam Rzichka. But the early returns on the 20 minutes that they spent together, I don't know how you don't immediately roll back to that and give it a two, three, four, or five game run. And they were definitely together at practice on Thursday. Yes. Mangiapane was back on that line. Dubé was on the line with Backlund and Coleman. Uh, Ruzicka actually up with Kadri and Coronado, which I thought was interesting after starting on Wednesday as the number four center. Sharon Govich was the number four center at practice. Um, but yeah, I and we'll get to Sharon Govich in a second. But I, I, I think for now, he is he is the best fit on October 12th. And that is something that's going to continue to play itself out because I also am still not convinced that Huberto and Lindholm are the best fit together. Right. Now, I think it is worth going well into November with those guys playing together 
and to really see if you can uh, get something out of them. And I thought they had some moments against the Jets, but I that that still needs to be. I think it's worthy. I think it is trying to see if your best center and your best winger can work together as a line. There's real reason to stick with that and and give it some actual time to see if it can develop. But at this point, I don't know if that's the right fit as of yet. But while that question is being answered too, I don't know who the long-term fit is going to be on the right side. But as of October 12th, with one game in the books, for me, it's pretty clear that you got to go back to Manjapani. Well, and what's the harm in playing your best playmaker with a guy that is one season removed, I guess technically two seasons, however you want, 18-ish months removed from being a 35-goal scorer in the NHL. Like, why not just tinker with that formula a bit? And I'm of the opinion that Jonathan Huberdeau, the way that his style sets up is he's best suited to have a left-shot right winger, the way that he distributes the puck. So why not try Mangiapane there? That's sort of my thinking on it. Well, and especially the way things went. Like, I I was quite intrigued to see how Dubé would do there. I thought Dubé was eh, just okay. I thought the, the whole first... team as a whole suffered from that, though, so I wouldn't they necessarily did. single out Dylan Dubé. But Dubé's I would say fit. that Dubé getting popped with Backlund and Coleman, yeah. Dubé's game started to pop all of a sudden, and that, that happens. You're playing with Michael Backlund. The, the Backlund bump's a thing. We always talk about it, but I thought Dubé had his best period in the third period when he and Mangiapane flip-flopped, so I, I get why they went back to that to start practice as well. So, yeah, for now... That's the way I would go forward because Manjapani was the best player on the ice, got the reward, moved up. It's going to stay there for the time being. And and uh, perhaps on October 15th, it'll be a different conversation. But as of October 12th, yeah, I think that's uh, the best fit right now. Don't disagree. What else you got for me here? Uh, okay. Where does Yaren go? Yegor Sharon. Yaren Govich is uh, the way we'll. My cousin, Yegorn. Uh, where does Yegor Sharon Govich fit? Because I don't know yet. Ah, see, now this is going to be the one that I was going to get wrong, and you already stole the thunder out of it. As you don't know, I don't know where he fits either. To be perfectly honest with you, I think he fits among the top twelve forwards. I don't know necessarily where he slots best. I would be curious to see him with Backlund and Coleman to see if you can utilize his two hundred foot presence. But at the same time, then you're throwing into flux. Okay, where's Dylan Dubé? And this will probably tie into a question you may or may not have next, but. For now, I don't know where Sharon Govich fits because I don't necessarily see him meshing on that top line. And again, it's been three periods. It's been 60 minutes of actual regular season action. But I don't necessarily see him as a fourth-line center as well. And you mentioned it, you know, Craig Conroy deal goes down. The Flames like the fact that he can play left, center, and right. Yep. And he can play touch on both special teams where there's penalty kill power play. But as it stands right now, I think he's still discovering what his identity is with the Calgary Flames. And I don't have a firm answer on he should be playing with player X and player Y on this role. Uh, I do think that he belongs in the penalty kill. Uh, I thought that he was strong there. He played 318 on the PK, uh, one of the most utilized players on the penalty kill. Uh, He actually saw more time on the PK than Michael Backlund did. That's because Bax took two of those penalties, so that'll that'll play into it. He's hitting the score sheet himself. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Uh, but played 318 on the penalty kill. I think he is, you know, for perpetuity, Lindholm and Backlund, when they're not in the box, 
will be the first two forwards over the boards on a penalty kill. Those guys are elite individually and elite together as penalty killers. And so you need a penalty killed off. Yep, Backlund, Lindholm over the boards. There you go. Sharon Govich is one of those next forwards, though. That's where he belongs, I believe. As for his five-on-five fit, I do not know. Um, I, I, I don't think it's centering the fourth line. I didn't mind him with Backlund in the preseason. Maybe that's something they try as time goes along. You know, they're kind of looking to find pairings, it feels like. And so it feels like they found three they're comfortable with. Lindholm Huberdo, Kadri Coronado, and Backlund Coleman. And so you've got three pairings that, okay, maybe they're comfortable with those three. Now you're trying to fill in the rest of the spots. And so that's where we're trying to pinpoint the best spot for Sharon Govich and the flames are doing the same thing. Okay. Cue up the next question so I can expand the conversation and go maybe into a little bit further depth of how I would orchestrate the lines. Uh, okay. The next question I have, where's the best fit for Dylan Dubé? So I would like to see Dylan Dubé with Nazem Kadri and Matt Coronado. We know the off ice influence Dubé and Coronado have had together yeah. with one being the mentor, one being the mentee and slapping in a veteran center like Nazem Kadri there. That frees up a spot for Sharon Govich to go with Michael Backlund, who I think could be a fit. And of You've course, won me over already. I was, thinking, I was thinking the exact same. I was just thing like, I was just like, I don't want to get too far ahead of the conversation. No, but because as, I don't I was, throw as I was saying, Sharon Govich, that I liked him with Backlund. I was like, okay, it was, oh, well, then, yeah, just put Dubé with Kadri and Coronado. Boom. So the, that was going on in my head. So you've won me over. So the only problem with that configuration is. Now don't, if, you just won me over. If you're trying to spark and jumpstart and see what you truly have in Adam Ruzicka, I would like to see him in a top six, top nine role. But for the sake of this conversation, if I am plugging and playing my lineup and this is how I would do the Calgary Flames forward roster right now. I would have Sharon Govich with Backlund, and I'd have Dubé with Kadri and Coronado. It's it's interesting because you've got Dubé, Sharon Govich, and Ruzicka, who can all play the wing and can all play that number four center spot, which is also an interesting little wrinkle. It plays into the versatility of the Flames lineup, but also on the other side plays into, yeah, we don't know exactly where everything fits quite yet. Yeah, I just, again, once we get through this road trip and you have two, four, five games to determine where the consistent pieces are going to be playing in your forward lineup. But until now, when we're playing, what would you do? I'm going Sharon Govich with Backlund and Coleman, and I'm going Dubé with Kadri and Coronado. Like, uh, you, you convinced me, and then you tried to start talking me out of it. Well, I just I see so much potential in Adam Rizicka, but I only see it in flashes and glimpses. And if I you could it. ever find a way to extract 100% of that 100% of the time, then boom, you've got a tailor-made top six player. And I think the Calgary Flames want to see if there is a tool at their disposal to squeeze more out of Adam Rizicka. But you're going to run into the same question. About, okay, well, how can you maximize Sharon Govich? And I think the answer is... Put him with the insulator that gets everything out of everybody in Michael Backlund. It's like, hey, will you marry me? Yes, yes, I will. Well, but I mean, I, I, I'm afraid of commitment and I spend too much time with my friends. And, you know, I probably I probably come home too late and I'm probably buzzed too much. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just said That's yes. What are, you, what are you trying to do? Why are you? 
Yeah, if you this was uh, Rasmus Anderson on our post game show on uh, Wednesday night. Wow, that's a heavy buzz. <laughs> heavy buzz. <laughs> that's one of my favorite. <laughs> Just like, hey, Raz, how the game goes? Well, uh, uh, you know, it was good. And... Wow, that's a heavy buzz. No, it felt good. Um, wow, that's a heavy buzz. But uh, yeah, is um, it ever? Yeah, it feels good. Um, <laughs> good equipment. You can got. just inverse those. That's a heavy buzz. Felt good. Every good wing night for me. And you're married, so you're doing it right. Good job. And that's also why your analogy didn't work. Patrick, I could never leave my wife for you. So I wasn't saying that I was proposing to you. Maybe I will. What will a couple assists in game one do for Jonathan Huberdeau's confidence? He comes away with a two-point night when it's all said and done. Uh, so that puts him well ahead of pace of last year. Um, More than triple. Yeah, I guess if you put... If you're going to go with the pace... Uh, He's on pace for 164. Yeah, he is more than triple ahead of last year's pace. But he's not because that would have been 165. 55 times three? This is another math question I may or may not get yeah, right. 110, right. So 165. He's one, he's one back. Oh, oh. Thank you. Um, I actually think that'll do a lot for him. And and I think I, I thought Huberto had some really positive moments, power play especially, but in the offensive zone a few times, you're like, ooh, that is a... That's a Jonathan Huberto who's feeling it right now. Look, a couple of, couple of look-offs, really nice passes that maybe surprised a couple of players that got it on their stick. But then he also forced it a couple too, a couple too many times. And so I was kind of lukewarm on overall Jonathan Huberto's game, but I thought there were some moments. And for a guy that I think really does thrive on, on being able to produce and, and, especially the way last year went and how frustrating last year was for him to start with a couple assists. I, I think that actually will do some good things for his confidence. I thought that second assist was a highlight real assist, how he's able to get the puck to manage by banking it off the post back into the slot to him. Yeah, Incredible. What an unbelievable what a skill play. pass. We're going to hear from Jonathan a little bit later on this hour. Danny Austin asked him about that. He, uh, he gave a pretty good answer. Yeah, I think for Jonathan Huberto, game one was a bit hit and miss. You mentioned he tried to force some plays. There were some periods of time where I thought he was less noticeable on the ice, but then he'd have some moments where, like, on that backdoor setup on the power play to uh, to Matt Coronado, like, you can see there's some things there that he's trying to do and trying to execute, and I think he feels like he has the freedom to go out there and, and, and try some things, and if it results in a turnover, so be it, just as long as you're giving it 100% back after you turn the puck over, yeah. then, then the coaching staff is fine with you trying some high-skill plays. And just the general feel and the mood and, and getting on the score sheet, as you mentioned, there's two assists there to be had, so not necessarily going to play to that 164-point pace, but just to contribute. And at the time, he contributed as well, where it's a 3-3 game. He has the pass to Mangiapane, who, who in turn makes that incredible pass back to Lindholm for what is virtually a, a tap-in for the goalie looking the other way. You've just got sort of that momentum, and you can start feeling good about yourself that you're contributing the right way at the right times to help your team succeed. Uh, Cam, uh, very quickly put this together for you before I hit the text line, so good job on Cam with the uh, motor mitts. Wow, that's a heavy buzz. Felt good. <laughs> just for you. I like it. I like it. That's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> Heavy buzz. Felt great. Felt good. Um, if, you, if you wonder what that is in context to, 
Rasmus Anderson joined us in the post-game show on Wednesday night, and there is a crazy buzz on the headset that he's using outside the Flames locker room. It was even more noticeable in both of our ears. Like, I could barely hear him. It was that noticeable. It actually wasn't as bad on the air as it was in my ear and probably was in Rasmus's ear. So that's what that comes from. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's a, he's like, whoa, that's a heavy buzz. Yeah, you can't get away. Rasmus will always get you on something. And that's what you want out of him, man. He's, I, he keeps I'm everybody not... in the room accountable, everybody outside of the room accountable. That's why he's got an A, buddy. He's, uh, I, I think he's one of the best inter- interviews in the NHL. Top 10 chirper, he'll too. Always, he'll always chirp, too. A few texts at 969.60 that says, do players ever text in? Some of, them, some of them have got to be regular listeners. I hope that none of them are regular listeners. I really hope. Like, if I had to hear somebody talk about me and my coworkers on a daily basis, I wouldn't want to listen uh, because there will be nights where or days where I'd be very good at my job, and there would be days where I'm absolute trash. And so I, no. I know, I know when I'm trash. I don't need to hear others talking about it. So, no, you know, it goes along with the territory of being multimillionaires. I get it, but I hope they don't listen as regular listeners. Personally, you've been doing this longer than I have. Has there ever been a day where yes. you roll into the locker room the next morning and a player is like, gives you a little little chirp or a little shot at something uh, you said the day before? N- no, I've never had anybody be like, why Why were you so hard on? I, not I'm, even, that doesn't even need to be a harsh thing, but just oh part yeah. of a running gag or something. So when Lou and I got into it uh, about Chris Russell, yeah, she's about like a decade ago. Uh, couple, oh, that was a decade ago. Yeah, Josh. Ooh. Josh Joris was like, "Oh, <laughs> heard you, heard you, and the uh, and Peter. I uh, heard you guys get into it. That was that was good radio." He said, <laughs> "I was like, oh, geez, Joris is listening. Tongay listened all the time, uh, so he'd always say he'd always be like, oh, I like that conversation you had or that point you made.'" Um, I think Rasmus does pay attention because he's referenced a couple times, like listening, and I heard your interview with Manji, and like, so I. But I don't. He think must, it, must have a Google alert or something on Andrew Mangiapane, though. I did. Uh, I asked him about Mange as well uh, at, on the post game show. Final thought. Good to see your boy Mange. Looked a whole lot more like himself tonight, didn't he? Yeah, about time. No, I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's a hell of a yeah, player. It's about time. See, can't get away from that guy. Can't get anything by Rasmus Anderson. Uh, this says I give it ten games before they mostly understand their portion of the zone. It'll be a tough one to watch, but honestly, pretty fair in my opinion. It'll take three games for Manjapani to get back to the bottom six full time. This is Dylan, by the way. He just does not give Manjapani an ounce of credit. Uh, Vladar goes uh, goes in November first against the Stars because they'll get torched by the Oilers. Unfortunately, Sharon Govich is a tough one. I feel with the language thing, it might take some time. I think he'll finish the year in the top six and on power play too. I think Dubé, Kadri, Sharon Govich would be great. That comes from Dylan, the optimist. Although it's mostly pessimistic, waiting till November first to get uh, Vladar in. That seems pessimistic. Um, getting blown up by the Oilers seems pessimistic. Manj getting Manj dropped. getting dropped to the bottom. I think that no, in all d- fairness, Dylan the pessimist. In all fairness, let's clarify. Is he getting dropped to the fourth line or is he getting dropped back to Backlund and Coleman? Because that line is, I don't know, pretty solid. Um, this says Wide Dog was a listener. Yes, Wideman also listened fairly often and uh, was up on some things. Uh, and then this one from Jay and Silverado. Pat, one, of your, one for you to discuss in what game does Matt Coronado pot his first of the year. Uh, that's a good one. I like that question. I am going to say on October 19th in Buffalo. 
Can we just do an over-under there, like make a side bet? And I'm going to say the under, which would be either the 14th on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins or Monday the 16th against the Capitals. I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. I think it'll come on this trip for sure, yep. but I'm going to say the Buffalo game. Yeah, I can. You know what? I'm going Pitts. I'm going Saturday night. Saturday night, Pittsburgh Penguins, okay. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson. I'll play it back if you're right. I'll give you all the credit Can in the world. Can you bury it if it's wrong? No, because I get, we're predicting when a person's going to score a goal. We're probably, there's a better chance we're wrong than right. So if you're right, you get credit. If you're wrong, you're like, well, yeah. That, that's... I'm going to put $2 on anytime score, Matt Coronado. I like that. I uh, just wanted to say as we uh, kind of wrap up this part of the conversation, uh, I just wanted to say uh, an incredible service on Thursday afternoon for... The late Chris Snow, um, it was his memorial, and uh, I, I thought all of the speakers did an incredible job. Uh, it was it was really gut-wrenching to watch. I, I, I had to pause a couple times uh, to compose myself while Kelsey Snow was, was talking. Yeah. It was... Um, it was gut wrenching, but it was also beautiful. It was it was just a, a really incredible service that I think uh, did justice to the the life and the legacy and the impact of the late Chris Snow. So once again, from uh, everybody at the Flames Talk family to Kelsey to Willa to Cohen to the Snows, everybody mourning in the Snow family and the extended family, the his Syracuse family, his Conkey Flames family, everybody who loved Chris Snow. This Brad Tree Living talking about the relationship that he and Craig Conroy had and uh, the relationship that Brad had with Chris, just everybody who, who is hurting and mourning, we're, we're still thinking of you. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really beautiful service. And just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that on this Thursday, October 12th, that it was the um, memorial for Chris Snow here in the city of Calgary. Um, it's October 12th, which uh, by my math is 17 days from the 2023 Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Am I right? 17 days? Oh, what? I get two math questions right, and suddenly you're peppering me with all sorts of other you're quizzes? You're doing complex ma- multiplication. Yeah, times by three. Yeah, but you did like a double digit by three and not a multiple of 10. Like you did 82 by three. That was impressive to me. Right. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> at, Thanks. Uh, in Edmonton for the Heritage Classic, they uh, are now setting up a really cool area. It is the 2023 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic, and they're setting up the WestJet NHL Fan Park at Ice District downtown Edmonton. So, of course, the game is going to be played at Commonwealth, but just outside of Rogers Place in Ice District in Edmonton is going to be a fan fest on both the Friday and the Saturday leading up to Sunday's game. There's going to be all kinds of activations live music, um, great things for adults, great things for kids. If you're going to the game, if you're going in a day or two early to Edmonton, make sure you check it out. If you're there, uh, if you are in Edmonton already in a Flames Talk listener, go check it out, whatever the case may be. Uh, once again, it's the WestJet NHL Fan Park, a free two-day fan festival. No tickets needed at Ice District just outside of Rogers Place in downtown Edmonton. For all information on uh, up-to-date schedules, appearances, fan reminders, go to NHL.com slash Heritage Classic. One more time, NHL.com slash Heritage Classic. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary.
Go Inside Hockey on this Thursday edition of the program. Brought to you by Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. So, at practice on Thursday morning, here's how things looked for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Some line juggles for sure. Um, Elias Lindholm between Jonathan Huberto and Andrew Mangiapane on the right. Nazem Kadri had Adam Ruzicka on the left and Matt Coronado still on the right. He had Michael Backlund with Blake Coleman on his right and Dylan Dubé on the left. And then the fourth line, Yegor Sharangovich in the middle, Walker Dewar on the right, and A.J. Greer on the left. Dryden Hunt was the 13th forward. And then on defense, one change as well. Hannafin with Anderson, Zadorov with Uyghur, that's the same, but it was Dennis Gilbert who was working as the number six with Chris Tanev and Jordan Osterley was the odd man out. So those are some of the cha- changes that we saw at practice on Thursday. We'll see how that translates Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins when they kick off a five-game road trip. But those were uh, some of the changes at practice. Steinberg and Vickers along with you, by the way, here on Flames Talk this hour. Yeah, not so much a surprise to see Mangiapane keep that top line right wing spot after the 20 minutes that that trio was able to put together. And again, I'm curious about Adam Rzichka with Nazem Kadri and Matt Coronado and where Yegor Sharangovic fits in the grand scheme of things as it stands at least Thursday, October 12th. Looks like fourth line center, which is an interesting sort of position for him. And again, they like the fact that he can play all three positions. That's what Craig Conroy said when they acquired him in the deal that sent Tyler Toffoli to the New Jersey Devils. And then Dennis Gilbert in place of Jordan Osterley. I thought Osterley struggled a little bit at times in the game against the Winnipeg Jets, so I've got no problem whatsoever opening up that number six spot to a full competition and if you're if you're feeling it, if you're you're playing to the best of your abilities and you're contributing to the team as best you can, I've got no problems flip-flopping those two names in and out as the head coach sees fit. Here is the head coach, Ryan Huska. He spoke after practice Thursday at the Dome, addresses some of this stuff indeed when uh, speaking with us after practice. Did you feel like Nikita Zadorov really set the tone physically yesterday? Kennedy looked like he didn't take himself out of position but, but wanted to... Yeah, to, to play physically. Were you happy to see that? What yeah, does that do for the team? For sure. He's uh, he's the one guy, um, when you look at identities on our team, um, some guys are hard by being physical like Nikita. Other guys are hard in different ways. But that's part of his identity. So when he's on the ice, because he plays that way, people know. So I thought he did a good job with that last night. Some of the things that maybe you weren't uh, happy with last night, kind of some of the coverage things, are they pretty easy in your mind to, to clean up here going forward? Um, I don't know if it's ever easy. I, I think more of the coverage issues came from our management of the puck, more so than anything, Pat. Um, we gave the puck up way too easily last night at times, and then at other times we forced it when we should just been putting it behind them. Winnipeg did a good job of staying up nice and tight, but we have to learn how to handle that type of pressure for sure. What's the key to handling that type of pressure? Um, I think it's awareness from your wingers a lot of times, and I think it's your defenseman making the, the confident play, whether that's on the tape or if that's up and in behind. Yeah. And, and that kind of speaks to that, that connectivity. I, I think a couple For guys sure. mentioned that too, just whether it's in your own zone or, or getting through the neutral zone, kind of making sure it's a group of yeah. you know, five. Yeah, when we're getting there. It's not there yet, you can tell. Um, but that's a, a big part of the game. When everybody's kind of in sync, things flow. Uh, and when they're not quite at that connected level it's choppy and that's the way we were so we're going to keep working on that as we go here not to draw like parallels to last year at all but 
early in the season last year, we did hear a lot of like guys just being like, "We got to get on the road. We got to get together, be on the road." This year, you have this road trip yeah. to start. Is that is that good? For I think group? it is. I mean, and I I don't like ever saying family's a distraction because it's so far from it. But um, the reality is, when you're on the road, you fly with a group of guys. You get on the plane. You get off the plane. You go to the hotel on a bus together. Um, you go for dinner together. Together, you have pregame skate together. Everything is together. Um, so it, it's good. It, it's, it gives people that don't really know each other all that well yet an opportunity to um, maybe learn something about each individual on our team. And then I think it helps to strengthen a connection for sure. It looks like Yegor Sharangovich is trying to find himself yeah. or figure out where he fits in with this team. What potential does he have as a player in your opinion? I think he has a lot of potential. He's a smart player. He sees the game really well and he's got a good skill set um, that goes along with it. So. Um, while he's trying to sort himself out, um, we're trying to also sort out where he fits, where he's going to fit in at, I, mean, I guess, the best that's going to help our team have success. So um, I do think he is a good player and he's capable of a lot of good things. The challenge for him is to start feeling um, like he can be a little bit more assertive when he's playing the game, demand the puck a little bit more, um, play with a little bit more edge, and then I think we'll see his game take some steps. How did you feel about it to load up with Kadri, Huberdo, and, and Lindholm on the same line? What what goes into that decision? Um, they're when you look at them, they're at the top of our offensive players. So um, offensive zone faceoffs, maybe after a, a penalty kill stuff like that, it gives them an opportunity, um, maybe to create something at a certain time of the game. That's that's really what it comes down to, Pat. Yeah. What did you feel about Matt Coronado's game? He said to me, he goes, that was the fastest game he's ever played in terms of <laughs> intensity, the speed of it. Because, I mean, his NHL game last year was 82 yeah. against two teams that were just yeah. trying to get to summer. Yeah, it's funny that uh, exhibition, or you go training camp, and it takes a step at exhibition, then it takes a step at the regular season. It's going to take another step around Christmas. It'll take another step around the trade deadline. And for young guys, they figure that out in a hurry. So I'm glad to hear that Matthew... Um, he took that in last night. I mean, it, there are some really good teams, really good players in this league. And for a young guy, um, it just helps him recognize that I have to do things a little bit quicker. I can be my same, the same player that I am, but I have to speed my decision making up. Could, could you yeah, tell them it before they go through it? They just no. They you need, can tell them they get, but they don't believe it until they see it. They need that experience for sure. Yeah. Could you see? Could you see him? You know, uh, translate that as the game's going on too. Just maybe in how his his game progressed through sixty minutes. Even yeah, I, I thought um, not just Maddie. I thought a lot of our guys were like eyes wide open. And he, opening night, there's a, a different level of pressure that comes with it. And you know, Michael Backlund would probably say that he felt some because he's wearing the captain C for the first time in front of the the great crowd that we have. So everybody f feels pressure in their own way. The challenge is make sure you're prepared properly so you don't have to worry about anything. Just go out and play your game. Um, but opening night, there's a lot of different nerves, different energy that comes into play. So I, I think by us getting on the road to your earlier question, I think will be a good thing. Ryan, they say good teams find ways to win. I yeah. think about the game the Bruins went in here last year. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure the Flames win that game last year with the way it went back and forth. Did that help build some belief and how important is that? Uh, I think it's early in the year um, for that. I mean, I, I think it's important that um, for Markey, I thought he had an awesome game. Um, and I think it's important for our guys to know that we have one of the best goaltenders behind us, so let's go and play our game type thing. But I think it's really early in the year for that, yep. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska on Thursday following practice. Uh, some of the questions... Uh, based on what we saw in the season opener, some questions about where guys fit. I do, I do like it when they load up.
for a shift with Kadri, Huberdo, and Lindholm all on the same line. It gives him a little bit of a diff- different look. It's like, and, and, and I'm not trying to say that it's the exact same thing as what they do in Edmonton, but it's similar idea. Pick your spots, and all of a sudden you can go for a shift or two in a row, Drysaddle and McDavid together. It's like, oh my goodness. And, and, and I know that it's a little different with these players, and, and they're not the two highest scoring players in the league, but it's the same idea where you put your three kind of offensive drivers that you count on the most all together on the same line and see if they can take advantage of something. Yeah, it's a momentum grab. And if you have the opportunity, whether it's an offensive zone start or or what have you, to roll out your top three forwards together in a tie game midway through the third period to try to create a spark for your group, why not take that opportunity? Because you're also afforded the luxury of when you want to revert back to your regular lines, you have the backland line that's able to take on a shift while you wait for, you know, whether it's Kadri to go back with his contingent or moving Mangiapane back up with uh, Lindholm and Huberdo, you're insulated with a good 45 seconds and what's very likely a stoppage to double shift your top line and get him back out there and re- uh, reroute to your regular configuration. Let's also hear from Jonathan Huberdo. couple of assists in the win. He spoke on Thursday as well. Well, let's uh, just start with uh, opening night. Um, you know, I, I think guys kind of spoke about it a little bit last night, but how did it feel in terms of just sort of getting that first one and, and most importantly getting the first win? Yeah, it's, it was nice. I mean, it and it wasn't in a pretty way, but you know, I feel we had some, you know, some some spark in that in that game that got us a win. So that's that's what is important. I think we got to move on from that one. You know, get get better. I think come back on the road and, and be a good road team. Well, I, I would imagine nice when you have a little bit of adversity, as you kind of talked about. Maybe not pretty in some ways, but when you know they get that tying goal for you guys to you know stick with it and, and find a way to to get one late like that. Yeah, I think special teams. Uh, and obviously, it was a was a big big thing in this game. I mean, PK did the job, scored a goal, and then uh, you know power play scored a goal as well. So I think that's that's what we got to build on. Like you said, we didn't give up, and at the end, you know, we score score a nice goal that got us one. Did you tell Manz that uh, that you helped him out there with that? <laughs> he's got a now he's like I said, you're a passer now. <laughs> he's uh, that was a really nice dish. Yeah. That's. Uh, I told him he can pass. He didn't didn't believe that last year. No, he's he's, he's passing, so it's good. Playmaker. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously played with a lot of spark last night, but what went through your head when the puck hit the post? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, thank God the man's put it in after because. Uh, yeah, it would have been like, no, nah, you don't want to start like that. <laughs> Obviously, it would have been nice to, to have it, but, you know, it's uh, it's good. I mean, I don't like empty netter, so it's uh, just a pass of the post. That's what I meant to do. Yeah. You mentioned the power play. How did it feel, the five of you out there? Yeah, it looked like you uh, were able to move it around pretty nicely. You looked comfortable. Did it feel that way? Yeah, I think we had, you know, chances early. So, I mean, still got to get, I mean, we, we got better, I think, but, I mean, Execution was more there, you know. Faceoffs was good. Lindy was really good on faceoffs, and uh, I think that's important. We need, you know, some some zone time. So you know, we know we're gonna get our goal, our goal soon. But I think the execution execution was good. I just saw Manjapani get moved out to play with you guys, and then today the, the lines were a little different than they were last night. I mean, are you guys expecting stuff just to get shuffled around? I mean, you never expect it. I mean, you know, it's a coach decision. But I mean, last last night I think you know some it wasn't working, so we tried to change some stuff and. 
you know, we we got some good look with Manch. So I think that's why it's it's like that today. But I feel, you know, and you you expect is gonna switch like you know and during the year where you're gonna play with different guys so i think that's you know you're never gonna play with the same guys all, all year long but you know it happened early and uh, you know you just, just stick with it and, and play well you talked about providing a spark is, is andrew maybe a guy that can't did provide a spark for you guys last night in yeah, terms sir? of that one andrew uh, just in terms yeah of i mean yeah he was playing well playing well last night so i think got a Got us going, and you know he's a he's a, a good player. I think right spot at the right moment, and made a hell of a pass on that goal too. Last year, by the end of November, I felt like all we were talking about or October, I guess, was just how you guys needed to get out on the road and be together. Now you guys get this road trip. Do you like that? Is it good for the group to just kind of get out together and get away from that? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's way better to get on the road early. You know, get the guys together more, and you know, spend some time all together. So I think that's going to be important for us last year. I think like you know, a month at home. I think. You you know, you want to get a, and kind of get like kind of bored, you know. So yeah, I wasn't at home, but I mean that's how it was working. You got to take advantage of that, and we had a good start last year. So I think uh, this year, you know, get go go on the road, and like I said, be a hard team to play on the road as well. So. There you go, Jonathan Huberdo after practice on Thursday. I, I would have just, I'm him. I would have said, no, no, I meant to do that. Pass it off the post right to Manjapani. That's what I meant. Brilliant to play. Unexpected. It's the element of surprise. I don't like empty netters, so I don't want to score it. I'll pick up the, it's just the, self, the, apple the and, selflessness of Jonathan Hubert. Oh, well, I want to get two goals for, for Manji. Right? Yeah, get him feeling good about himself. Imagine if that would have gone the other way and we would have had a Patrick Steffen moment. I'm glad that that didn't happen. I think Hubert is glad that he's, he's like, yeah, I'm glad that Manjapani scored afterwards. E. That would have, uh, the old Gordon Bombay, hey, just a quarter of an inch the other way and it misses altogether. That's a good point. That's a very good point by you. That'll uh, wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. That'll do it for Inside Hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store for Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers and for our producers, Taylor and Cam. My name is Pat, and that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1,450, or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.